Hello and welcome to Relationship Rescue. Every relationship begins with you, the podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. Um, I hope wherever you are in this world, um, at whatever time of day it is, you are doing well. Right now I have to tell you it's the morning here um, in the Bay and I'm looking out my window, my office window at home, and they're just this most beautiful blue jay just flew up and is sitting in my tree my bare tree right because it's the winter not the winter like in chicago or new york or east coast but or you know the midwest but it's the winter so and here she's just looking at me birds are um yeah i think they're very spiritual in ways so Anyways, that's another story, maybe what different day about birds, hummingbirds, bluebirds, redbirds, whatever bird, but interesting. So I think this is going to be a really great podcast. Well, actually, I know it is because what we're going to do right now is this is the third and uh, final installment on our self-abandoning series. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you into um, what are called our core issues. I talk so much about our core limiting beliefs, right? These limiting beliefs that I'm not good enough. I'm not um, pretty enough. I'm not fast enough. I can't trust others. I can't be direct. All of those core limiting beliefs, right? Which trigger that ego when we're in a situation that triggers us. Um, and so, but today what I want to do is now I'm going to talk about the core issues because the issues are really a lot of the times the, the trigger, right? So, um, and the core issues, we need to know what a core issue is, you need to know, in order to be able to really even get dig deeper into figuring out what the core um, limiting beliefs are and all of it. You know, I was actually talking to one of my clients um, yesterday and I said to her, I said, do you see that why pe when people email me or direct message me through LinkedIn or Instagram and ask me, how do I heal? I... It, I can't, it's a process. We have so many patterns. We live patterns. That's all we're doing is we're living patterns. We're living, we're living subconsciously. And until you start, you know, living consciously, like by, for instance, the fact that I did all of a sudden, as I'm saying, welcome to relationship rescue, every relationship. And I noticed the bluebird that flew into my tree. I consciously notice everything. I consciously wake up and say, today is going to be a great day. What am I going to do today to make it a great day? What can I do today to make it a great day for myself and people around me and all of my clients and the people I touch, right? So we have to take ourselves out of that subconscious mind where, where our core issues are, our core limiting beliefs are, and we have to come into the conscious, right? And so today we're going to talk about the core issues because these issues cause us to self-abandon and the self-abandoning has to stop. So there are at least 14 core issues, okay, that the inner child deals with. And um, it's been documented by different clinicians um, you know, authors that work, our clinicians and 
you know, so these, the core issues that have been documented, these 14, and I'm going to go through probably about eight today, are control, trust, feelings, right? Being over-responsible, neglecting our own needs, all or none thinking, behaving, um, um, all or none thinking and behaving, high tolerance for inappropriate behavior, and low self-esteem. And then also, um, being real. It's hard for us to be real. We can have an issue with that. Grieving our ungrieved losses. Fear of abandonment, which is the biggest one I see over and over. Difficulty resolving conflict, which I see over and over. And difficulty giving and receiving love. Why? Because we don't trust love. We don't trust others. So when we don't trust love and we don't trust others, we can't give it. And certainly if we don't give it properly and with love and, and holy, we're not going to receive love. So, um, and so as these problems, right, or in these concerns and these conflicts and these patterns keep coming up into our life, um, we will bring them up with selected, safe, you know, and supportive people. Um, and they don't, and the core issues don't, like, they don't uh, present themselves as an issue. Rather, they're going to start presenting at first as problems in your just everyday life, you know, but with persistence as they keep coming up. They're going to tell a story and you will start to have clarity, clarity around these issues. And um, and what I'm going to teach you today should be helpful and, you know, kind of gradually setting you free from your confusion, from that, um, the disconnect you most likely feel and those unconscious negative life patterns, the repetitions, the cult, the, which is the reactionary, um, Reactions to to some what somebody else is doing, right? Your compulsions. Because remember, a react a reaction is always a reaction to some what somebody else is doing. But if you can start understanding that whatever anybody else does is not personal, it's not about you. You can begin to let go, right, of all of these reactions but oh god there's so many issues too but let's so let's just get into some of these core issues because these issues cause you to self-abandon so what is this all or none you know thinking and behaving well um it's basically we we think or act this way and it's either at one extreme or the other so for instance we either love somebody completely or we hate them there's no middle ground. We see people around us as either good or bad. But not the composite of who they really are, right? It's, and, and this is what I see in relationships where there is um, a person that is, has no ability to self-regulate their emotions. And these are the hardest people for me to help. When they have no ability to self-regulate, they're in trouble. Their relationships are in trouble, right? Their life is in trouble. And many people, what's interesting is will be able to control it outside of their relationship for a very long time. But then 
as it starts to get more out of control, their emotions and the ability to regulate them within relationships outside of work, eventually it does come into their work, right? And, um, and the more that we use this all or none thinking, the more, it, you know, it, it opens us up to behaving this way. And a lot of us become attracted to the person that also has, you know, all or none thinking. And it just results in more trouble and it results in more pain. And when I'm dealing with couples that one person is healing and they're getting it and they're doing the work and they're really seeing it and the other person is staying stuck in their reactions and not able to self-regulate, it starts to turn into an emotionally abusive relationship because the more healed one person gets and the more the other one stays in their inability to self-regulate they are getting angrier right that they're feeling more less than not good enough and all of their core issues mostly that abandonment wound and the ones we're talking about now um, are going are coming up even more and the the more the core issues come up the more the limiting beliefs are triggered and then the more um, they either self-abandon but more than anything the person they're with their partner their spouse starts self-abandoning and then when they might when their partner or their spouse starts self-abandoning and I'm a part of this I have to go okay stop stop your partner is not healing your partner is not and I'm gonna to continue to try to help them and I'm gonna to continue to do my thing but you've got to stop self-abandoning no more you have to be assertive right so um think of it like this so all or none thinking is similar to um, active alcoholism it's like other chemical dependence it's codependence it's other um, active addictions it's attachments and um, in that, it's sharply, um, unrealistically, it limits our possibilities and choices. And then what happens? to Well, to be so limited, we feel constricted and we're unable to what? Be creative and grow. We can't do it. We're stuck. See, what I want you to know about recovery and I do believe healing is recovery. So, right, alcoholics are in recovery. Drug addicts are in recovery. The people that I'm working with, I believe, are in recovery. Recovery from what? Recovery from a lifetime of um, living in fight, flight, or fawn, freeze. From a lifetime of um, being on high alert and in stress and continuous chemical um, reaction to every, all the stimuli around them. And we have to recover from this. And we have to heal. And so when you're in all or none thinking, you're not seeing these, that you know what, there's a middle ground. That there is a three, four, five, six, seven involved. <laughs> not just a zero or a 10, right? Okay, so then there's control. I'm gonna bring it over control. So what control is perhaps the most dominant issue in our lives no matter what we think we have to control and most of the time for me with working with clients they think they have to control someone else's behavior or we have to control our own behavior 
Um, and our false sense of self, right? This, this, these limiting beliefs of ourselves, we tend to um, latch onto this notion of needing to control everything, and we won't let it go, right? So it's often um, how how much time you know how what do we feel when we're having to control everything? Confused, but frustrated and pain. And ultimately, and I need you to understand this, and I really need this to hit home here today. I mean, like, I'm talking, hit home, baby. Hit the ball. I mean, I wanted you, I want you to, what I'm about to say, I'm up to bat here, okay? I'm, I'm in the batter's box. You've got a 3-2 count on me. Okay? Bases are loaded ninth inning, two outs, and I am in the batter's box. I've got to assess this picture. What's coming at me? What can I do? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. That's the moment that you better be paying attention. So I want you to pay attention right now. Okay. We cannot control life. We cannot control life. So the more that we try to control it, the more out of control we feel because why we are focusing so much attention on it. And frequently this person that feels, you know, out of control is obsessed with the need to control. And if you just pay attention, paid attention to this, and if you are going to implement this in your life, and you're going to then say, I'm done with control. I'm ready to heal. I'm ready to stop these unhealthy relationships with myself and with others because I do know every relationship begins with me. Then guess what you just did? On that 3-2 count, baby, you just hit, got a fastball pitch straight down the middle. The middle of your bat just hit that ball spot on. And guess what? It just flew out of the park. Woo! The fans are going crazy. Yes, you had a home run, baby. You just brought four runs in. You got another four RBI on you, three RBI on you, and the, you just won the game. You just won the game. So I'm going to say this again, okay? And I want you to write it down. Ultimately, we cannot control life. Ultimately, we cannot control life. So the more that we try to control it, the more out of control we feel because we are focusing so much attention on it. So the other the person who is focusing so much attention on this control feels out of control because they're obsessed with the need to control. And if that is you and you say yes to no more of this, guess what? You have hit the home run. You say yes to healing, yes to stopping the insanity, yes to healing the patterns, the mind, reprogramming the mind, rewiring the circuits in the brain, you hit the home run. See, another word for control is attachment. And wise people have found that attachment or needing to be in control is the basis for suffering. And it is one of the greatest things when my clients see it, oh, oh. Unbelievable, right? So certainly suffering is going to be a part of life. But here's the thing. We have to, you know, um, too many of us suffer for too long before we consider alternatives, right? So suffering can point out that peace of mind 
And so what's the one alternative to suffering? There's only one alternative to suffering. Do you have your pizza paper and pen? <laughs> I'm giving you a lot today, baby. There's one alternative. What is it? Surrender. Surrender. We surrender our false self and our attachment to the notion that we can control anything. Because we can't. We cannot. And when we suffer, when we resist what is. So if you resist what is, you suffer. And you will find that one of the most powerful and healing acts that you can do is give up your need to always be in control. And this freedom allows us to be who we are. So, you know, the word surrender does not mean to give up or lie down in the middle of the road. Run me over, Mack truck. Run me over, traffic. No. It means that we are surrendering. We're going to win the struggle of trying to control. We're done with needless suffering. No more needless suffering. You see, needing to be in control is intimately, and I mean intimately related. It includes, there's other life um Issues, fear of losing control, dependence, codependence, right? Uh, trust, self-esteem, being spontaneous, self-nurturing, all of this all or none thinking. So I get that it's hard to learn that life can't be controlled, but it can't. Life is powerful. Life is mysterious. And that process goes on and on and on no matter what we do. You know why life can't be controlled? Because it's just so great. It's far too rich for us. It's far too, you know what, um, spontaneous, rambunctious, and amazing. And the minds in this world, if we could come together as a conscious collective, and the things we could create are just unbelievable. But we don't because we're stuck in control. And there was a way out, surrendering. Right? Because then and only then can you become the co-creator of your life when you surrender and stop controlling. So then uh, let's go to another one, number three for today, being over-responsible. So if you grew up in a troubled or dysfunctional family, you're going to learn to be overly responsible. Maybe you're that one sibling that does that. The other one becomes never responsible. So, um, so think of it like this. It seemed that the only way to avoid um, the painful feelings that we had, such as that anger, that fear, and that hurt, okay, um, was to what? To just be over-responsible, to say yes to everything. And it gave us, what does it give us? This illusion of being in control. So we say yes to everything. Yes to causing to my suffering. Yes, you can walk on me. Yes, you can treat me like shit. Yes, I'll do your work. Yes to everything that you're asked at work. Yes to everything you're asked for. Anything you do. It should not take you years to figure out, you know, how to say no. It shouldn't. Instead of being overly responsible because other people are irresponsible and pass passive, you need to learn how to be assertive. And you know what? You're not a victim to other people if you keep allowing. What you allow is on you. What you allow is on you. You are not a victim. 
Then there's the core issue of neglecting our own needs, which is also basically being over-responsible, right? So, um, gradually, as you meet more and more of your own needs, you will realize that you are the most effective, influential, and powerful person that can help you get what you need from others. Isn't that freaking awesome? And not in a manipulative way, in a beautiful way, okay? You need to see yourself as um, what you really are, which is a miracle. You're a miracle, You're worthy of love. We are miracles. We are all miracles, and miracles happen every day. And a miracle is basically a change in your thinking. Because when you change your thinking, your life begins to change. What did Wayne Dyer say? God, I love him. Why did he, he passed eight years ago? Now I think Wayne Dyer books. Anyways, um, change the way you look at things and look the things you look at change. I will never forget reading that. I was 26, 27. I don't even know which age it was. It was right around there. Change the way you look at things, Heather, and the things you look at will change. I said that over and over. You, th you see, you think that I said affirmations are about, you know, uh, once in a while I'll say an affirmation. No, over and over. Still today, if I'm looking at something in an adverse way because I know it because I'm feeling it because I'm very tuned to my body. Change the way you look at things, Heather. The things you're looking at are going to change. Change the way you're looking at that, Heather. Oh, now that I've changed the way I look at that. Wow. Shit. I'm, I'm, it's, whoa. My eyes are open. My lenses have been cleaned. Right? So, um, that's a miracle. Because then when I change the way I look at things, which then changes my thought patterns, right? Which then changes the emotions I'm feeling based on these thoughts. Miracles happen. What's the miracle? The shift in thinking. What's the shift in thinking do? The shift in the emotions. Then what does that do? It changes the actions you take. What does that do? Then you bring in more of what you want in life, less of what you want. And you can become actually a manifesting king, queen, the best. That's a miracle. Because your thoughts are in alignment with what is showing up in your life. What? Yes! <laughs> yeah! Okay. It's, an, it's incredible. Anything you want, anything you want to be, you can be. Literally. People think the, you know, poo-poo that. Well, you got to believe it, though. That's the thing. You see, the key is having a 100% belief in it, visualizing it. Thinking from the end, not worrying about the how. Knowing the how will be shown to you. That's really difficult for people to do. So, would I get behind the fact, what, what, you know, if I could do, if I could have been anything, well, a lawyer was one thing because I wanted to be in a courtroom arguing for the guilt of somebody or the innocence, right? Like, I'm just, but that didn't happen. So, anyways, but a middle linebacker in the NFL would have been, like, a great thing. I would have loved. That is just, like. Oh my gosh. But I can't literally get behind a belief that I could be a middle linebacker in the NFL. Like, I just, but, but, and you might think I'm nuts, but I know that if I 100% believed in it, I could probably do it. Why? Because miracles.
miracles. But yeah, at 5'6", 120, um, that's not happening, right? <laughs> so I don't believe it. So it's not going to happen. But what I do believe in has happened in my life. What I totally have one word. And by the way, most of the things that I believed in and had visualized from the end should not have happened for me. And in, in what if I had stayed stuck in my other mind. So anyways, let's go to the other thing that other core issue. High tolerance for inappropriate behavior. Boy, do we have that. So if you're from that troubled or dysfunctional family, you grow up not knowing what is normal, healthy or appropriate. So what happens? You have no reference point to test reality. Okay, so you think your family, your life, with all of its inconsistency, all of its trauma, all of its pain, is this is the way it is. And that is when we assume this false self. And guess what? Um, we promote this type of a life. Why? Well, because that's what we're used to. And we don't realize there is any other way to be. So when you're in recovery, when I'm helping people, you know, with you're you learn what is healthy, what is appropriate. Boundary issues don't seem like that's appropriate. And about people that I work with mostly, ugh, the boundaries there are none. There are none. You know, um, I had a, one of my clients who, you know. He was actually, he was like 31. He was single. And and he just, and, and I remember when he was telling me that, you know, how trapped he felt listening to his, his father's, you know, irrational talk and behavior when, you know, his dad was drinking. And, which is basically was pretty much almost every night. And when he would try to get away from him, he would feel guilty um, and his mother would tell him how selfish he was. And even today, then, what happens as a 31-year-old adult male, he, guess what happens? He lets treat, people treat him badly. Lets people walk all over him. Until he, you know, started reading. Where did he come from? Oh, LinkedIn. He started reading my stuff on LinkedIn. So anyways, you know, he, but he thought something was wrong with him and I could, I could basically take him and put him in almost every one of my clients as well as myself, obviously. Remember, I was all of these things, all of them on steroids. <laughs> okay. So it's, it, you know, when you can learn that others inappropriate behavior and your high tolerance for it is mistreatment in a form of abuse, you will stop. You will then heal. You will come to me. Uh, fear of abandonment, and this is one of the biggest ones, and this goes basically to our your earliest hours of existence that you can even possibly remember, right? Um, it's it's very exaggerated in the in the dysfunctional, trauma filled, abusive homes, and so to counter this fear, what must we do? Mistrust. We shut out our feelings so we don't feel hurt. That's the best way I can describe it. Shutting out our feelings so we don't feel hurt. And, you know, a lot of my um, clients had parents that actually threatened to leave or abandon them. I had one client that um, 
His mother would always would th- consistently threaten that he was going to go to an orphanage, to a home. What the hell, right? Because if he didn't follow the directions, the orders, the what he was told to do. And this wasn't, this was like something, again, you, you, you know, you have a child and ch- your friend has a, um, uh, your child has a friend named Johnny and Johnny's parents seem no nice. Johnny's parents are the ones that say, you're going to that orphanage. <laughs> you're going to go because you didn't do this right. And Johnny's hiding in the closet, freaking out, crying, right? And then Johnny's mom comes to school with cupcakes. Johnny's mom is the best. I love Johnny's mom. Thank you, Johnny's mom. Not really. Johnny's mom is a psychopath, right? Come over here, Johnny's mom. Let me give you a slap because that's what I want to do to you, right? That's my reaction, of course. But anyways, Johnny's mom sucks. Not cool. And so that fear of abandonment comes from a parent that hasn't even they haven't even left. There was no divorce. There was no death. There was just an asshole parent. <laughs> right? And get I get it. Johnny's mom was probably threatened with an orphanage while getting the belt. Okay? I I I I am I get all of it. But I'm trying to show you that this is cruel and that um, many of us come from covert forms of child abuse. So you've heard of covert narcissism, right? Well, there's covert forms of child abuse. And that is what I'm talking about. And I'm going to do an entire series, probably next, on covert child abuse, as well as how covert child abuse Okay, you ready for this? In my very professional opinion, because I consider myself an expert in my field, and I do know I don't have a PhD, I don't have a master's, right? But I know my work, and I am an expert, and I've been studying this for 25 years. I believe covert child abuse leads to um, covert narcissism. 100% of the time, nope, but a lot of the time, okay? And so that's another time. Anyways, so um, most of my, you know what a lot of my clients will say to me too? They can't remember much of their life before seven, eight, I was the same way, just bits and pieces. but a lot of kids have the father that left. Obviously, mostly it is reality is the father leaves. The father somehow does something, right? And then the mother's left with the, the children. And then, yes, of course, the mother abandons too. Um, but what a lot of the times back in the day, the mother would, you know, might even tell the kids, oh, your dad's heading west. She's got a job out there. <laughs> he'll be he'll be back soon. And then the dad never comes back. Do you understand the shock on these children for these children and the abandonment issue, right? But here's then what will happen also. 
when the when that father does leave a lot of the times the mother not a lot well a lot yes becomes overwhelmed resentful frustrated angry and they start rejecting their children so then you've got a really hurt little boy or girl inside of you and so how do people learn how to you know deal with their abandonment issue well they don't get close to people they don't let people get very close um, but if they do allow it and any conflict comes up they leave right away and what can you see what can I surmise from this well a lot of the times it's okay I'm gonna abandon you before you abandon me I am going to abandon you before you abandon me yep. so which of course um, comes up all those attachment styles right the dismissive avoidant the um, the anxious preoccupied the fearful avoidant my job is a lot Wow yeah anyways okay so now um, and it goes on and on so let's let me finish up here because I've been going on a lot today so let's talk about difficulty handling and resolving conflict I'm gonna unfortunately probably have to stop here because I don't like to make it too long um, but so when we grow up in these troubled, dysfunctional households, what do we do? We learn to avoid conflict whenever possible. And that um, causes us to withdraw. And occasionally we will become aggressive. And we try to overpower those with whom we are in conflict, right? And then when these techniques fail, what happens? We become devious. We be attempt to manipulate. And these methods used to, as a child, assure our survival. But they do not really tend to work in a healthy, intimate relationship. <laughs> so, you know, healing is built on discovering conflict after conflict and then working through them. And that's why, you know, you can listen to my podcasts, which are amazing, and I know that. You can do a lot of the stuff, but it's, it's not sometimes... It, you, it's not enough, right? Because there's going to be conflict after conflict and you're triggered right back into it. So that's why those limiting beliefs, these issues have to be healed, the core issues, the, figuring out the triggers, the fears, right? So anyways, um, but the fear and other pe feelings, you know, that come up as we get closer to conflict becomes too much. And so then we, you know what, we revert to, you know, I can do it on my own. I can do it on my own. I'm a queen of saying I can do it on my own. If I, and, and this is something that I will still do today. If I'm trying to, if I ask somebody for help in something and they start pushing back or hemming and hawing, I can't do it. I go, you know what? I can do it on my own. Forget it. This is exactly the way I say it. And literally when I just said this, you guys, just so you know, my hands went up in the air because that's what I do. You know what? Forget it. I can do it on my own. I got it. Don't worry about it. No, 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 no. Don't worry about it. I can do it on my own. I got this. And I will do it on my own. I won't deal with it. I will not deal with other people. Their irresponsibility or, and so what does that become for me though? I, it's not handling conflict because I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it. I would rather just do it on my own. But you know what? I honestly do feel that if that's the one really residual shit from all the crap that I had, I'm okay with it. I will do it on my own. So anyways, um, but that doesn't really work all the time. And so, um, 
you got to work through these core issues. And I want you to ask yourself, how did you handle, um, you know, conflict in the past? Are you one person that tries to dominate? Or are you the person, you know, that, um, are you aggressive? Or are you the one that falls into the people pleasing, right? Um, and you got to understand that more issues become revealed as you start, as I start working with my clients, more issues come up and more issues will talk about you. I'm sorry, we'll talk about you. More issues will come up for you as you start, you know, really digging into awareness. So, um, anyways, now what happens is the situations trigger our core issues and they become activated and then they begin to enter our lives more overtly so and of course the intimate relationships is where it really really is so what i'm going to do is this i'm i'm going to give you the link to assertiveness training and no more people pleasing um i am now making that workshop free because i really want people to get it so you can watch the how to um Stop people pleasing and, you know, learn how to appropriately place boundaries um, for free. The link is in these show notes. And I'm also going to give you a link to download Find My Triggers because if you can find out what your triggers are, that's going to help you greatly too, okay? Because then you know, oh, I'm getting triggered. What's the core issue here? What's the core limiting belief coming up for me? <gasps> Whoa, I'm in trouble. I need help. Ah, don't react, don't react, pause, 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 shit's happening, oh my god, the critter brain's going nuts, that little hamster's on the hamster wheel, stop, slow down, get out of the subconscious, into the conscious, I love you, thank you for tuning in today, we are done with our self-abandoning series, but it's been fabulous, I care, I care, until next time, bye-bye.